With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat. What's happening everybody and welcome to this another episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson and today we are debuting a new concept here, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. It might go well, it might not go well. If it doesn't, we're going to have some fun anyway. <laughs> Tonight we are debuting the debating chamber. <laughs> a show concept name that confused Strack to no end meet. <laughs> like everything else in life. <laughs> so yes, this is the debut of the debating chamber here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets. But before we go in to give, a bit, give you a bit more of an idea of what the show is about, just a bit of housekeeping, you can, you can subscribe to us on any good podcasting site, be it iTunes, Android, Spotify or anything else, you can find us there, search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet, and we also have a website which is full of brand spanking articles, podcasts, interviews, you name it, it's there, well not name it, (laughs) (laughs) but there's some stuff there, Uh, but yeah that's what we've got at suplexretweet.com, and it's work. As always, it's not, a, it's not a Wilson hosted show without that slick introduction. Uh, before we go on to the show though, let's introduce this panel who, none of them are contenders to be the father of Maria Canales' child. <laughs> Objection! <laughs> are you trying to tell us something? It's not I'm trying to tell us what you want. <laughs> what was your middle name again? I'll tell you, mate. <laughs> First up, this panellist is our own version of Brad Shepard. He has no sources, spews absolute nonsense and responds purely to criticism. It's Ross McLeod. <laughs> yes! Thank you, Stephen. I'm surprised you're not on this show as well. No, you're a master debater, aren't you? <laughs> wow, you've been saving that all week. Wait, no, <laughs> all week. It's been since he debuted on the show. <laughs> it was meant for the different Stephen, but he left. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, there you go. The penny drops amongst everyone. <laughs> yeah, Strax away being a film. Not Strax! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our next... Oh! <laughs> it's just as the penny drops one by one. Moving on to our next panelist. Uh, whenever this guy is on the show, his grinding voice and face makes you feel like you've been screwed out of something. However much you spit on him, you feel it's just not good enough for him. Or good for him. That is David Hockney! <laughs> I thought you were going to say Campbell there, but okay. Uh, <laughs> you trying to say about Campbell? Nothing. 
I was not expecting you to refer to me there, but hey, I'll take it. Huh? I just take verbal abuse anyway. Oh, I'm going to get you a joke book and you're going to come up with back to We're going to practice. Now, Jerry West, Richard Jefferson, Don Nelson, Lewis Hamilton, all these sports stars, C44, as the lucky number, are now reconsidering due to this guy's recent misfortunes. It's of course Scott McLeod. Hello, Stephen. How's it going, Scott? I'm doing fine, I'm doing better after last week's. Have you cleaned your wallet of all those 44s that you had to draw? <laughs> no, no, that won't right. remain there until the title is mine once again. Ross, you need to go and then clean that budget. Absolutely not, I'm not going to nothing. What do you think I went in the Elysee this week? Now, our next panellist, if Carlsberg did a sense of over-importance, <laughs> self-confidence and an owner of egotism, it would be this man, David Campbell! Lovely! <laughs> what an introduction! David Campbell, you're ESSR champion, once again at the top of the mountain, at a lovely lunch today. <laughs> the fact he's actually proud of that! Oh, I'm important, overly so, and I can't wait to kick everyone's ass here today. All these men are lesser compared to the former GOAT, and I can't wait to win. Fair enough. <laughs> moving, on to, moving on to our next panelist. He is like Brock Lesnar. He comes and goes when he plays. <laughs> and even sometimes when he says he shows up, there's no guarantee he's going to be there. It's Ryan Galka. That's a fair comment, mate. Very <laughs> <laughs> fair comment. I'm not taking that for a guy who admits to taking sausage regularly for his lunch. <laughs> Play, how you doing? I'm alright, mate. Can't complain off the panel, we have a guest panelist wondering why the hell he showed up on this show. <laughs> he has the same first name as Ryan and the same last name as me, and we hope he has the qualities of, of the latter because if he's half the liability that Ryan Gallagher is, this could be a very long show. It's Ryan Wilson. Thank you very much, that's very nice. I feel like I'm not part of the team unless I'm really badly insulted. So. <laughs> well, you've got the same second name as Wilson, you need to live with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you always get a nice first one and then you come back second time, it's just all guns are blazing. Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm good, I'm excited, let's fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to be joining Can I ask him now if I'm allowed to swear? No, it's too late. There goes the key button. Yeah, we, we tried to minimalise it, but we'll let you up. <laughs> Helping me judicate the chaos of tonight's show is the big bread machine himself. <laughs> Bye, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Stephen. Yes. Oh, I should add, I am still on the hunt for a cattle prod. Slide into my DMs, I'll send copious amounts of bread your way if you could hook me up. Quack, are you ready for this show? I am. I am ready. I'm you are going to get some questionable DMs. It's like my DMs for some cattle yeah. products. <laughs> uh, that's a door you don't want to open quite <laughs> Generally, I've got a Snapchat DM I've got to show you all that I received when DJ. It's not far off anyway. that. Anyway. It's <laughs> not far off that. TMI. Let's move on to the show. And this is the debut of the Debating Chamber. Now, you've probably wondered for the last five minutes what exactly is the Debating Chamber. It is essentially our version of a debate in the form of an Elimination Chamber match. So, in case you can't figure it out just by that, uh, we're going to have two topics of uh, wrestling debated in the show over the course of the next 90 minutes. Uh, I have given the panels before the show six potential topics, which I'll tell you all in a wee minute. Two of them will be chosen at random from my Tupperware top. <laughs> and a matter of moments, the first one will be chosen. Uh, we have got two teams of three essentially who were predetermined before the show 
The debate will start with two members of that team arguing which side of the... One member of each team, sorry, two people, uh, debating one side of that argument. Now, the best part about this is, the panellists don't know which side of the debate they'll be arguing. They could be arguing for, or they could be arguing against. When you hear about the topics, you understand why that's going to be a lot of fun. So it's going to start with these two debating for around about five minutes time, and then, in five minute intervals after that, someone else will enter the debate on one side of the argument. So at points we could have even two on each side, or we could have a point where we have three versus two, and then it's going to end up with a three-on-three three, five-minute argument to the death. <laughs> Quite much away. <laughs> and then at the end of the debate, at each half, myself and Kwaku, being impartial, will decide who has argued their case better. Not to just generally what we think is the, the better argument. Who has argued the case better? Which is going to be, this is probably the ultimate test from us at Each Sleep Suplex Retweet of how well we can argue something. If you've listened to all our back catalogue, you will understand we will sometimes try and argue anything. <laughs> As shown in our WrestleMania's opening show, where Kwaku <laughs> argued that Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus was the best opener of all time. And I was successful. I even sorry, what? I'm new to this show. <laughs> Hey, we'll get, uh, that's a different I'll play it for you. Okay. You'll, you'll like him. I'm sure. So that is essentially the concept of this show. It's going to be two topics debated in each half. I even convinced Dave Meltzer Jr. over there that we're good. <laughs> oh, mate. Now, for the listeners at home, here are the six topics our panel were given beforehand. And plenty of notice, I'll let you know. Can I, can I just specify, I just found out about this last night at my last minute replacement. <laughs> so I have had like... Excuses, excuses, I've excuses. had no preparation and you know, I was looking at the list, I'll wait until you get to it, but there's one, there one of them that I'm like, that was a weird point in time, but I hated wrestling. <laughs> so I'll get to can I not be in his team, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to it. So, the six topics are, and if you're a past listen to the show, some of these will be of great amusement to you. Like number one, Jinder Mahal's WWE title run was a success! <laughs> David Hockney shakes in the corner. I'm not saying anything just yet, I'm just waiting to hear if it comes up. <laughs> the, other one, the other ones were... The Attitude Era produced terrible matches. CM Punk should have main evented WrestleMania 29. I hope Ross has to argue that for that. <laughs> the Montreal Screwjob was a luck. <laughs> that could be fun if that one comes yeah. up. Mankind vs Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, deserved a 5 star rating. Now we know we talked about Dave Meltzer quite a lot on this show mm-hmm. and how wrestling is subjective, so that could be an interesting one to debate. And the final one is, did John Cena ruin the Nexus? So that's the six topics, so again I'll repeat them quickly for the listeners at home. Jinder Mahal's WWE title run was a success. The Attitude Era produced terrible matches. CM Punk should have rain evented WrestleMania 29. The Montreal Screwjob was a luck. Mankind vs Undertaker Hell in a Cell deserved a 5 star rating. And did John Cena ruin the Nexus? Now guys, it's the point we've all been waiting for. For, for some of these a couple of weeks now. Yes. I have a question. Just for, this, is, this is the thing I wanted to ask. The John Cena Nexus thing, was this that weird period in time where John Cena was like Wade Barrett's butler? Yeah, just before that. Right, okay. You can have you can have that if that one comes up. <laughs> the okay, yeah, I just remember the that. SummerSlam match, the seven on seven. Ah, Nexus course. Right, okay, yeah, I know what I'm. Right. Mm. So, right. So it is that time you've been waiting for, with bated breath. I have been now drawing the first topic. Alright, Pavarotti. Our first topic of debate, folks, was the one we just talked about there. 
Did John Cena ruin the Nexus? That was just for everybody there. Yeah. Seems fair, seems fair. That's fine, yeah. But Rod Stewart over there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Entering the chamber at number one, arguing for that case, David Hockney. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm arguing for it. You're arguing for, so you are, you're, you're, you said John Cena, you're arguing for John Cena ruining the Nexus. Got ya. Arguing that John Cena did not ruin the Nexus. At number two in the debating chamber, Ryan Gallagher. <laughs> this should be good. Jesus, yes. right. Jesus. <laughs> David, it's been a pleasure being friends with you. So before we get cracking onto the debate, I'm just going to quickly explain the topic again for the listeners at home and Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> Back, I think it was, was it 2010? 2010, yeah. Uh, the old days, as I like to call them. <laughs> The Nexus debuted on WWE TV. It was a stable made up of guys who had competed on the original NXT reality TV program. Guys such as Wade Barrett, Ryback, and Daniel Bryan. They ran roughshod over WWE, especially John Cena, until we got to the point we got to Survivor, no, SummerSlam, sorry, and we had that big multi man tag match that the guys were talking about just a moment ago. And it came out that John Cena won the match by himself, essentially beat two members of the Nexus and Justin Gabriel and Wade Barrett. But it has revealed afterwards that there was many people backstage who advocated for John Cena not to win that match. And they went for the Nexus to win that match to get the momentum going as many people thought in the years obviously prior now that that killed the Nexus's momentum. And then pretty much about that stage now where barely ended from that group is employed. So there's a fair argument that John Cena could have ruined that one. However, there's an argument that they could have Collapsed themselves. Right, so Dave, yeah. Ryan, you're on first, so left in the sound. You've got eight minutes to debate this between yourselves, and then at that point, someone else will join the chamber. On you go. Dave, I'll let you go first, mate, because I predict that you'll be greeting after three. <laughs> so Challenge accepted. All right. Go. John Cena absolutely did ruin the Nexus. I mean, there was no, no question about it, because this was at a time where John Cena was WWE's golden goose. Like, he was practically invincible when it came to overcoming the odds, facing a multitude of opponents, uh, determinant of skill, size, uh, and everything else in between. Like, he was the company's guy, as it were. And the Nexus's arrival was definitely, it definitely felt like a really big breath of fresh air because you had eight guys who weren't that experienced in WWE to begin with. And it could be argued that they had probably one of the most impactful debuts in WWE history. Like they absolutely decimated the ring. They tore apart the announce tables. They were attacking staff as well as the superstars themselves. So that whole build towards SummerSlam, it made the Nexus look incredibly strong. And WWE, Team WWE was showing signs of weakness anyway, because, you know, Jericho and Edge were sort of flip-flopping whether they were going to be in the team or not. There was a, a vacancy for a seventh member, so they were going in six to seven by the time the match started. And the Nexus comes in as a fortified front with absolutely no, no setbacks whatsoever. So for them to lose one of their guys, actually two of their guys, uh, in the first match, that was already a bit of bad booking to begin with, but it gave a glimmer of hope to WWE. It was more towards the end you thought, right, Nexus is going to win this. Like, because John Cena by that point, he had been DDT'd onto concrete and had been hit by a multitude of finishers, including uh, Justin Gabriel's 450 splash and 
you know, Wade Barrett's, you know, sort of wasteland. But for Cena to just do the whole five moves of doom comeback, you know, it, it became a sort of a repetitive uh, behavior for all of his matches, where he would always get beaten down and then have a huge resurgence towards the end. It was something the fans became really sick of. And it just, by the time the finish sequence got to that point, you think, oh, this is Super Cena, he's just gonna absolutely ruin them. And by that point, the, the Nexus had just fell on, fell on its arse. Even I'm gonna let Ryan come at this point now, I, no, I, th- I think I, I don't disagree with the points that they've made about the Nexus coming through and being a dominant force. The thing that I disagree with most is the fact that the blame gets put on Cena for ruining this, this faction, you know. We've watched wrestling for years, we know how it goes. The team comes through, the top guys, the top guys take them down I think if you're going to blame anybody for taking down Nexus it's not John Cena it's the powers that be above John Cena for booking him and that you look at the guys who were in in Nexus the majority of them went on to relative nothing after that so having John Cena involved with them <coughs> in that feud that gave them that spotlight you know if, if you'd put somebody else up against them if it wasn't John Cena say it was another another kind of top guy but not Cena level you probably find that that doesn't go anywhere that storyline it probably peters out the same way it did you know it, it has the kind of big run up to the the kind of elimination tag match um, and then you know it just kind of peters away after so as I said you're, you're the guy that's got all the names here I'm assuming so read through the Nexus members have you got them there did you last nope. at all but I know them off the heart go for it so Wade Barrett yep. David Otunga Rubbish. Justin Gabriel, Keith Slater, on, Skip Sheffield, Darren Young, Michael Tarver, and Daniel Bryan. So, Daniel Bryan, right? That's the only name out of that that anybody would be able to go at. He went on and done something half decent in his career. So, I don't think, I, I think I, it's fine saying that John Cena ruined the Nexus because everybody likes to put hate on John Cena and they like to go, oh, John Cena ruins everything. He just gets pushed to the top. I don't think it's John Cena's fault. I think John Cena gets put into that. That, that situation it, John Cena does what he does because he's John Cena you know I think it's, it's easy to put the blame on him because like I say people just love blaming John Cena for everything bad that ever happens in wrestling yeah I appreciate the fact he's a company man and all like he's probably one of the hardest working people in the wrestling industry but there were a lot of articles floating around in, including witness statements from Edge and Chris Jericho that Cena had an influence in the decision making when it came to that SummerSlam match and they both were reported to have said to him look this is a mistake you have to let the Nexus go over for this Uh, and Edge and Jericho themselves they were both eliminated by Heath Slater now that's what you call you know giving a bit of a rub to a guy who was not quite the best of the Nexus but somewhere comfortably in the middle of the group so look at the guys in that match though If if you have them beat Cena and Cena put them over you know the names that you just mentioned there they were going to go no. The majority of them were going to go nowhere after, even if Cena put them over. So why would you damage somebody as high profile and high as Cena? You know, getting beat off a relative nobodies at this point. Well, the thing is, they had that pack mentality. There was so many of them that not even Super Cena would have been able to fend them off. And by that point, you know, they had already gone through five members of the Nexus. It was down to the last two. They could have easily ended the match with. Gabriel hitting the 450 and then Wade Barrett getting the pin. That would have made them look strong because it's not just the last member of the Nexus, i.e. the de facto leader. 
is the one, you know, picking up the wind. It's the Nexus as a unit that's picking up the wind. And that's how everybody sees them. It's it's all of them as a group, not just a few. I mean, you could pick out there was a few individuals that stood out, i.e. like Wade Barrett and uh, Skip Sheffield or Ryback as he was known now. But the, the following night and stuff, Cena was just mocking them like as if they were just, you know, back to being rookies who had just started and came through the door. He never considered them as a top threat. So the way he was cutting his promos about them, you know, with the humour and everything like that, it just it just wasn't looking at the bigger picture. It was just looking at Cena overcoming the odds on a big stage. I think at a team like the Nexus, so you know, the members in that were never going to be top guys. So Cena putting them over. Wade Barrett would have been easily a top guy. Like he was just severely underutilized. And did yeah. you see where he ended up with Cena? He literally got buried under twenty-three chairs at the TLC pay-per-view. Aye, but you know that's kind of one guy that you can pick out of that. You know, you look at also Daniel Bryan and Wade Barrett are probably the guys that you look at and go, they could have went somewhere. The rest of them were never going to get pushed. So even going by what you said there, if you have it down to, to Gabriel and Barrett at the end, for example. Um, and Cena puts them over the rest of the members are they're going to get forgotten about anyway because the Nexus was never going to be a stable in the wrestling one for, minute, guys. One for years it's never going to be a stable in the wrestling for years to come so these maybe, guys that were, that were there maybe not but obviously because seven is quite a lot of people but you, even with amongst the seven you could pick out you know a handful to say these guys are going to go somewhere like wait well, Barrett that was going to get ruined anyway so that in the long run, that's that faction was going to get ruined. The, you know, you weren't going to have seven guys getting propelled to the top. You were going to have maybe one or two, which you did eventually get. They could so, have easily made it all the way to WrestleMania because that's not even a full calendar year for WWE. And for that, for a stable that big, you know, it covers all four big pay-per-views by that point, and it would have been enough storyline to fit in, but not overly saturate it. And by that point, then the Nexus could have gone their separate ways. But having that fortified unit going all the way just to be ruined after one big pay-per-view it's beggar's belief and uh, Cena was the only person who was involved in it and at that note somebody else is turned to join the chamber good points here guys so far so joining the side of David Hockney arguing that John Cena did ruin the Nexus is David Campbell help me out here go David, five minutes for the go. thing that Ryan, Ryan's uh, he's channeling the spirit of Alan Lucas and he's wanting to use his own personal fact here. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen an alternative future where the Nexus wouldn't have worked out anyway. How do you know that, Ryan? And I find the key point here about the Nexus is that they were never given a chance. It's what Dave was talking about. They had an electric debut and that fire was burning, but then Vince McMahon and John Cena specifically as his conduit took a dump truck of water and threw a flute right on that flame man because like, you look at it you're saying oh all these guys aren't stars all these guys would have went nowhere but the fact of the matter is Ryan that all these guys had all the tools to go somewhere they had the build you had Justin Gabriel a high flyer very talented athlete you had David Otunga with the look and the celebrity connection and the ability to talk who could have been a great poster boy for McMahon's company you had these people with the tools to go where they were and John Cena specifically as Dave said was the reason that it didn't work out and because backstage John Cena did have the influence to do something and that's one of the things you said Ryan was that it wasn't John Cena's place it wasn't John Cena's fault but it was if John Cena had 
went to Vince McMahon and the powers that be and said this is the wrong decision like he knew it was like he knew it was a mistake something would have been done about it and the Nexus would have went on longer which is what they needed the chance to go on longer and the chance to prove something not to get beaten a big first big pay-per-view look at a man like Dave Batista James Gunn gets fired from Guardians of the Galaxy the easy thing to do the company man thing to do would be to get in line and say Disney I'll do Guardians 3 no he said he was going to quit and that made a difference John Cena could have been that same difference alright when you're a leader of a company when you're at the top of the company you can't just think about yourself you need to be that locker room leader you need to think about what's best for the company as a whole you look at them at t-shirts right that the NWO sold back in the 90s, <laughs> all right? A cool design. Think about the Nexus t-shirts we could still be seeing today if the WWE had established the Nexus as a brand because it ain't even about the individual members. It's about that collective. It's about the group and it's about the ability to, to brand a group No, like but it is, again, it is about the individual members because you can't just have, you can't just chuck in random guys into a faction and go, ah, but if we do something cool with them, they're going to go to the top. No. The Shields, you did that. Yeah, and the guys from the Nexus, had, the guys from the Nexus, all had a common origin story and a common goal. So that sense of unity was could be argued in a number of aspects. Exactly, yeah, and but, I would argue the Shield was less united. But as David a Campbell trio. just pointed out there it, uh, something I noted: two guys he pointed out that could have got a push, that could have went to the top. Justin Gabriel, David Otunga. Mm-hmm. Justin Gabriel was there for a long time after that. And done absolutely nothing. Yes, David Otunga is still kicking about just now. Because he was remembered now. in the fans' minds as the guy who was part of the field and Nexus. Yeah, but you're talking about skill. We always talk about wrestlers that have got skill getting over. You know, Justin Gabriel had the skill there. Justin Gabriel might have been absolute mince as a character. It doesn't. You can't yeah. just. You can't just say that somebody's going to go to the top or had the, the skills to go to the top. But then when they get put out himself, he never done it. But you if can't he had, say if he had the skills to the top when their momentum was killed from the off. No, no. The fans minds. The fans mentality is, oh, this guy's a loser. No, no. What I'm saying is, do you know who's still with Stephen? When, when was this? You, when did this match take place? Two thousand and ten. Right, do you so know who's still with the company aside from Dino O'Brien? Heath Slater. Yeah. And he's the middleman of the Nexus. Somebody, you know, not the best, not the worst, he's still there. So, and you could apply the same logic to Justin Gabriel, he could still be there. So, so, so you're telling me Heath Slater has stayed as the middleman since 2010, but it, up until now. But, but that maintains consistency. That you know, yeah, he's he never going to be a top guy, but he's always. Because you're arguing the merits of the Nexus, let's argue. Cut back on my point about the merits of John Cena not doing anything and how it's not John Cena's fault. Edge and Chris Jericho two top guys mm-hmm. were willing to put it on the line for the company but John Cena was the guy who ultimately was the turning point in that guys, decision so yeah. why is it not John Cena's fault and who else had created a decision like John Cena back in that time but the, th- the point I made about it being John Cena's fault and I never disagree with any of the points Dave made about the guys in the Nexus because I, I do think the Nexus were a, were a good team I just think blaming John Cena for their demise is absolute nonsense that's not John Cena's fault John Cena you know John Cena being in a faction or sorry John Cena being in a storyline with them guys is enough to propel them give them the tools no it's not no it is no it's not because it is no but done Cali finished every person who John Cena has been in a storyline with has not benefited from it ask Baron Corbin whose career was derailed for a good year because of a failed money in the bank cash in and a loss at SummerSlam in like two minutes you know what I mean that's utter nonsense alright right Ready? Someone else coming in? <laughs> 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 Good, because I had something else to say, so everyone's going to have to wait. I'm going to have to wait because someone else is joining the chamber. <laughs> joining, joining the sides of Ryan Gallagher as
I can't hear as a guest. And Don't let me down. Shouting, they're swearing, they're red faces. Don't let me down, mate. Just want to say, for the start, I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expected to eat coffee. Get to the point, you mate. <laughs> See, this is starting already. I'm saying I'm going to eat coffee Kingston at this chamber and like replace for the last minute. Unwanted <laughs> drivel, you're on. Yes. Here comes Alan. <laughs> so, right, you're telling me that John Cena, for a match that happened, a tag team match happened nearly 10 years ago is to blame for all this like I know he probably should have done more in the back but if Edge and Jericho are as influential as they say why didn't they do more or they say it 10 years later in a podcast or do you know Cena shouldn't have done that fucking step up and say something they did say him they said to him before did they really though did they I mean we get this it's been reported from multiple sources that they both went up to them and said this was a mistake and they were just ignored I don't know, maybe, maybe because Cena does ever, that more Because back. creative only ever listened to Cena. I don't and believe for a second that creative listened to one guy on that roster. He was the Cena. only star they had for years. They've got the only Jericho star they had for years. Jericho was they, a bigger star before Cena was even nah, wrestling. They were, in terms of. Jericho was on and, and off at the time as well. In terms of draws, they were nowhere near the level of star <laughs> that John Cena is and to say otherwise is, is exactly so next is that, that the same thing as John Cena no, <laughs> I'm not good enough to be the same thing as John Cena and they were blessed to be in the ring with John Cena and here's another thing get back to the Nexus brand because I'm not talking about John Cena ruining Michael Tarver's career I couldn't give two hoots about Michael Tarver <laughs> once again I'm talking about the Nexus the stable the brand because no one cared who it was individually and that's nothing against all those guys and nobody would have cared about the Nexus if John Cena wasn't involved in that they so you because people cared about the Shield name. and they beat Kane who was like 50 at the time <laughs> of the first match nah I believe it was 44 <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying here you have to see you look at the parallels between the Nexus and the Shield yeah, no, the, you're the, saying that there was a random people thrown together the Shield probably never spoke to each other never even shared a sandwich and the like before they were tag team together alright and you see the Shield's mentality as well was that pack mentality uh, attack from different angles mm-hmm. like nobody stood out for one particular reason the the common goal was the same yeah, and that was if, what, if that can, was the deal with the Nexus if you try to compare like, take the, it. the massive team of the Nexus to the three guys of the Shield it's different when you get three guys in a team as opposed to what seven fucking fifty however many guys are in, in the Nexus there's going to be a lot of nobodies in that so guys that you mentioned just because I pointed them out Gabriel Otunga mm-hmm. see if they weren't involved with us this faction and John Cena wasn't involved with this they just brought them in and didn't put them against somebody like Cena they wouldn't have got top billing that they got and fair enough it might have been it didn't work out for them afterwards it was never going because look at them now they're doing absolutely why nothing why these guys only get one shot fair enough that match that SummerSlam match I would always was to I agree should have went differently they should have won yeah, that match but same time like they lost momentum but that's it they don't get to get their momentum back like they weren't given the opportunity you, you mentioned Baron Corbin earlier we're looking at the aftermath of yeah, that yeah you just mentioned yeah. Baron Corbin get absolutely buried but he just became king of England last no, week no the booking Obviously. going forward after SummerSlam it was only ever about Wade Barrett you know the people, they completely gave up on the Nexus yeah, not, as a whole that's not Cena's fault because Cena was once again put yeah. in to that storyline Don Cena couldn't have said look get me away from these Nexus guys I want to walk away right now this isn't working no John Cena continued that storyline that storyline would have been nothing without John Cena anyway yes it would because you're saying that any stable was not involved the following pay per view was Night of Champions and that involved six random people two of which happened to be Cena and Wade Barrett so you had four other guys in there I'm saying a storyline like that with relative nobodies as in the Nexus going up against somebody like Cena if you you put I can't even remember who was in at that time say it was Baron Corbin like back in the day right if you put them up against Baron Corbin 
Nobody cares about that storyline. Nobody cares. So you can't blame Cena for the demise on it because Cena was there and propelled them to to that have that big moment, that big match. I you can't mean, you can't then blame him. Cena was not even involved in their debut. No one cared who they attacked in their debut. They attacked Justin Roberts and I got over. Yeah. Alright? The Nexus were important as a group. And if you so you're then, saying about the individuals no, not mattering. If you then put but I'm just saying Baron Corbin, for example, because he's right. the kind of Baron current Corbin guy. character. Yeah. If you put a Baron Corbin from that period of time in Cena's place, when Cena came into that, that storyline goes nowhere. Yes, it no, does. No, it does. Nobody it establishes cares. dominance. Nobody cares actually, if they beat like, how many most people? of the mid-card, that's better for me for the Nexus than losing to John Cena. It's a gradual build up to the big four, because how many people did they take out prior to SummerSlam? Bret Hart, Vince McMahon, The Undertaker, notable names from the... The folklores of wrestling All history. All agreed to fall for the next if it's the yeah, Undertaker. Can I agree? Cut you off there. Cut you off there. There's someone else is joining this debate. So joining the debating chamber with David and David <laughs> is Ross. Ross. I, I, I had a lot of arguments <laughs> with the other side. But yeah, she'll talk. Give me a. Squirm your way out of this one. <laughs> come on, Ross. Come on, Ross. Help us out oh. here. We talk about how. Creative didn't listen to just one person. Yes, they did. Because if if Edge and Chris Jericho are coming out saying, this is what we said, they're trusted names in wrestling. They don't want to bum bridges. Edge at the time when he did that podcast was recently retired and had just gotten a network show approved. He needed the WWE gravy train. Chris Jericho, AEW wasn't about at the time. He couldn't piss off WWE. So why would they piss off WWE by pissing on the poster boy? And then, as David said earlier, how many people beforehand, to a loss for John Cena, suffered from it? Umaga, the up and coming, it was Hulk Hogan S push. How many 80s villains do you remember? Like the Barbarian or the Warlord being big guys, King Kong Bundy. Sergeant Slaughter? Su- no, you remember him, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> These guys fell at his feet, and guys like the monster of the month, Umaga, the great Kali, and more. Fell at John Cena's feet. Why was that's the point? It was <laughs> only when John Cena got involved that the Nexus started to go downhill. The Nexus, from their debut up until they were buried by Super Cena at SummerSlam, were a viable future commodity for the WWE. They were money, and the fact of the matter is, if John Cena was not involved in the situation, if John Cena had acted differently in this situation and not been so selfish which is something we're easy to label a Hulk Hogan in fact if this was a Hulk Hogan argument you wouldn't have anything to say against it because it's undisputed he's racist, <laughs> <laughs> it's undisputed that Hogan had the same influence Cena is a top guy and the John- same way that Hulk Hogan was so he has that influence and to argue otherwise is a moot point what did Cena do? Yeah, but like you said, he was literally buried. And you're arguing individuals, we are arguing the nexus. And after he was buried by those chairs, he moves on to the core. But the same point that Ryan made, you're saying we're not talking about about Wade Barrett, we're talking about all of them. If you're if you're saying I these guys, if you're saying these guys had the skills to go to the top, the nexus could have bounced back. That's kind of branding the collective. 
had the skills to go to the top but if you're not getting behind this as a serious threat anymore then there's no way that the audience can get behind it. And just go back to the t-shirts for a minute as well. Nobody was individually labelled or had their own sort of branding when it came to the Nexus logo. They all had the letter N yeah, in the yellow square and they all had you're either Nexus or against this with the armbands. Now, they, all their merch was identical. Again, Nobody racist. stood out. It was a brand collective <laughs> thing as a whole. So it's... As well as Brandon as well. We talked about NWO. Bullet Club Look how many people benefited from being in that stable. And we're not obviously you are arguing the individuals. We're not saying that after people couldn't have done a Kenny Omega, a Finn Balor, an AJ Styles, but gone elsewhere. But these things revitalise people. It could have became other than just rookies. It could have been when CM Punk joined. That it could have been yeah, but it could have been better at this point. It the thing was desolated. Like Wade Barrett was off TV. The other guys didn't show up. Yeah. Like it was only when Punk came back to start his feud with Cena that the Nexus came back and by this point they were that diluted down that no, no one, one cared, cared about Nexus the Nexus exactly. Nobody because cared. of what John, John Cena did John Cena could have said to the powers that be I am not beating the final two members of the Nexus two in a row one minute. and bidding them in the main event of SummerSlam the key point of the matter is John Cena is a locker room leader and could have acted differently and the actions of John Cena killed the Nexus as a brand and you two have not done anything so far to show us that that is otherwise. Apart from what brand? What are you talking about? I got a t-shirt. The Nexus brand. Yeah. yeah, but that was oh, the NWO. Don't tell me you. Was a couple of do not sit there, there and say that back in the day you wanted an NWO shirt. NWO oh, Kevin Nash is no not, like absolute talented wrestler. But he was over, that's what I meant. How much would you be craving a Bullet Club or Undisputed Era t-shirt? Given the dominance of the stable. Steve Dottonga was in it. That is no chance David Tonga does anything in wrestling I've seen I wasn't even there. He would have right. absolutely done right. right. Can I use Undisputed Era as a hypothetical example as well? Nope, because it's now time oh, for a, a final entrant into the debating <laughs> chamber. Can I just say the final entrant got sweet chin music that he's been knocked down the floor. <laughs> 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 oh, Scott, nice to be you give, Scott, you've got five minutes to finish the debate. Right, you're joining the side of Ryan and Ryan. Alright, here we go. <coughs> so, we look at the Nexus. We talked about their debut, oh how great it was. They had their legs cut for them from the beginning. Because what's one of the most memorable points of that debut? Daniel Bryan choking Justin Rothbaith's tie. Next week, Nexus come out. Where the fuck is Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan got fired because they went too far. These Nexus could have been this great alternative to the PG Too Safe product they were putting out at the time. Uh, Bullet Club died a death when Finn Ballard left, didn't it? <laughs> Ooh, NWO died like it. Did Undisputed Era die in its arse when Bobby Fish get injured? This is my five minutes, thank you. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> not You've joined the debate, sir. You're not making my points. You're not making my points. You're not making my points. You're not making my points here. You look at the thing, people don't care because these guys were in a reality show playing live action rock and sock and robots one week, the next week they're in there with John Cena. Talk about the Bill Club. AJ Styles was AJ Styles. The Young Bucks were Generation Me before. They had matches in Ring of Honor and TNA. People knew who they were. People in Japan who watched New Japan knew and who King Omega was. Did, and did fake, was. did fake Kane look gallows? Was he over? Was unknown Carl Anderson? Was he over? No, Japan it was wasn't. It was the affiliation with the likes of the the Bullet Club. It's exactly. Stables can either make you or reinvent you. Hulk Hogan was 
much like modern day, reviled by yeah. by many fans. The red and yellow, it was dead and buried. People hated it. Yeah, but and as soon as he changed it, it's the best selling t-shirt in history. Yeah. WWE, because they won the Monday Night Wars, will try to turn it and go, actually it's Austin 316. No, no, no. NWO is the highest selling t-shirt in wrestling history. And once again, you go back to the Shield, two to three years later, they did not lose a six-man tag match for roughly about a year. Those yep. guys were undefeated. They were made to look strong. And that is why whenever the Shield comes back, Ambrose, Rollins and Reigns could have done whatever they did individually. But when the Shield as a brand came back, that is what was a big deal. The Nexus could have been the exact same thing. I Seth, agree Seth Rollins was all right before. The no, Shield was enough. No, but I, do, I agree. I actually agree with what you're saying that the brand, they should have taken more time than the brand. But what I don't understand is why this is all John Cena's fault. Mm-hmm. The Nexus was ruined, but it's by booking, by Vince, and by whoever made these decisions. No, all John Cena. That SummerSlam match, fair enough. Cena should have spoke up. Okay, he never. That is, he is not the only reason that they. But that is the turning point. We're not mm-hmm. saying that John Cena is the only reason. We are saying he's the key reason. No, we, we, we're arguing that John Cena ruined the Nexus. The reason, but John Cena, the John That's Cena, the, the man point. and character, did not ruin the Nexus. But John Cena was not there. The Nexus would have been able to thrive. <laughs> we talk about the NWO. We talk about all those T-shirts we sold. Aye, they were doing very well. Where is WCW now? WCW is gone because the NWO went on for far, far too long. They diluted it. They ruined a good thing. NWO didn't kill WCW. Creative control and overbooked contracts and a TV contract being cancelled from under them killed WCW. You look at the... Fuck has this up with someone, Scott. Yeah, and we're not talking... We're talking that SummerSlam was a turning point. Yeah, see the next month. They were in a... Wade Barrett gets WWE title match in a six-pack challenge. The month after, Wade Barrett does beat John Cena. But then... John Cena in the one night yet again he, he took out two members of Nexus at SummerSlam at TLC 2010 he takes out the entire team of the Nexus and the worst thing about it was it was not even shown on camera you went backstage the camera was down three of the guys were down the fourth guy gets hit with the chair and then you see the you can't see me uh, hand gesture to the camera that's on the floor and it does not even warrant this electric team that get the best debut of that time period did not warrant being shown on TV being dismantled. It wasn't this big oh my god the shield have been beat oh my god the shield have been look how how memorable the shield implode how memorable is the shield imploding? Yeah. How over as a heel did Seth Rollins to get how how big of a face was Dean Ambrose for that Hallelujah (laughs) how how big of a big dog did Roman shut up I'm talking (laughs) I'm speaking you're ruining your team's point and you talk about the guys like Michael Tarver and David Otunga might not have made it well hold on a minute Seth Rollins people seem to forget was the afterthought because you had Dean Ambrose who was the leader of the Shield as the US champion and you had Roman Reigns as the company's guy as soon as he hit that chair shot he was the biggest heel in this company Michael Tarver could have got that push David Otunga could have got that push they wouldn't have put on the same quality matches that's not what we're arguing we're arguing about the death of a brand and with John Cena the buck has to stop with someone John Cena proved in that moment that he may be a top guy but he was not a locker room leader so I just don't imagine any scenario say that it works out well and the Nexus beat John Cena they beat Team WWE at SummerSlam what happens next? 
point zero one. We'll never find out. The time is not find out because that is the end of the first half debate. You've left us in a cliffhanger, right? Do you know, Hams? I tell you, Hams, fucking nothing because we're all shit. We're all actual time, you know. Guys, well, that's tense. Really? I need a fag in my bed. Actually, well, here's your next program with Triple H. And Triple H pulls out a shovel. Ah, yes. Is that quite civil than Cabo came in before? Whoa! He's actually spouting absolute nonsense. Just because he speaks like a Cabo, he doesn't get his good points across. I'll admit, I had like numerous notes to Johnny Ryan's team. And then he said my name, and I was like, well, I'm just going to have to talk to Arsene. I've seen your face go. Fuck, and see when I hand I went, don't do that. If you're on, if you're on the four team, don't do that. And I just went, a shit. What? Quack, what was your fault? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I actually have a point. Uh, David, um, you mentioned uh, about John Cena, his involvement in the Nexus started the round of its summers. What did you mention about his involvement with the Nexus that started the beginning? That started the beginning. I, I was right to think that actually John Cena was in that early angle. He doesn't even know his facts. He's in here waffling nonsense. <laughs> See, they didn't pull it up. Eating some merry berry cake. You didn't pull it up. That's that's a point. They didn't, they didn't pull, pull me up. So we didn't need to pull up. I don't know if it was on the other side. Plus, the main fact of his argument was the most memorable moment of that, which it was, was the tie choking thing. I was Scott said that. I said that before it. He said it before it, and then he said I it. I said it earlier on. He piggybacked that for so that. If you look at the tie, scumbag. Yeah, if, you're look, <laughs> if you're looking purely at the tie choking thing, Cena was the big part of that was they came out and attacked Cena, and the tie choking came after. If that's not been missed, then I think. But they did miss that. Yeah, they didn't miss it, but they're not adjudicating it. Yeah, we, we, don't, mm-hmm. we don't need to pick up on that. Because that, that's a fair point, because you did a lot of your arguments based on that fact that some are. No, we don't. No, we we didn't. Didn't. No, we're talking about the brand. The Nexus the brand died as well. Yeah. No, 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 the point that I made yeah. was that Cena put them they were doing, on well. On no, they were doing well until SummerSlam one, 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 one thing I will make yeah. is there was very very great arguments across the floor mm. they all did very well but if it's going to be my pick I mean I'm swaying it on that fact I'm going to have to give it to the Ryan Ryan of Scott here yes that is nonsense! That is nonsense! That is nonsense! I, for one, agree with authority. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we go to a break, uh, we have forfeits on the table for Hi, David, David, and. No, no, shush! We have to do this now. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, Scott, you have to pick forfeits for the guys. We have the choice of the ginger tea. David shots. Campbell's getting thumbtacks in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the ginger tea shots, the cinnamon. Or the eat the limes, guys. What are you picking? What did it do with the salmon? Uh, the the cinnamon challenge. If they snort it. No, no, no. Cinnamon into a shot glass. No, it's, the, it's the ginger into the shot glass. I uh, saw. So, 
But no. No, you don't shot glasses. The ginger tea goes in the shot glasses. Cinnamon's on the spoon. So. Cinnamon is on the spoon. <laughs> Same idea, don't it? They put it in their mouth. Right. Aye. So I'm not a spoon burner. I will not be partaking in that challenge. So we say the, gin- the cinnamon. I, I go cinnamon. Aye, okay. Spoonful right, of cinnamon. Spoonful of cinnamon. Just challenge, guys. Quickly. Usually, this is egregious. Mine's just finished. Give me it in case. There's water outside. I don't. I want water now. Give me. I'll buy you a can of the brick. Just a recording. Is that it? So guys, that has been the first half of our debating chamber show. During the second half, we're going to do our second topic. Uh, during the break, we're going to be doing WWE's version of Elimination Chamber debate with Chris Jericho and all the other competitors in the 2012 Elimination Chamber. But first, guys, Cinema Challenge. Away. We were screwed, guys. Fuck Stephen Wilson. I'm giving you no fucking satisfaction. That's disgusting. <laughs> Not pleasant at all. Are you saying it's because that's what all satisfaction we need? We'll be back in five minutes. We'll see you in a bit. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Hey guys, this is Brandy Rhodes, and you are listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I guess that uh, brings us to Mr. Jericho. You have the floor for 45 seconds. It's obvious that I'm surrounded by neophytes in this ring, surrounded by neophytes in this entire arena. But all of you need to quiet down because the true best in the world at everything I do is about to enunciate. You want facts? Here's a fact. There isn't a human being who's been in more Elimination Chamber matches on this planet than me. There isn't a human being that's eliminated more superstars in the chamber than me. The last time I was in a chamber match, I walked out the world heavyweight champion. I mean, seriously, let's be honest here. My list of accomplishments in my career outweighs the list of accomplishments of you five wannabes incorporated completely. I am here, all five of you are here. And that brings me to you, punk. Look at me when I'm talking to you, boy. All right, punk, you might as well give me that world title right now because your master has come to reclaim what is his. Do you understand what I am saying to you right now? Yo, it's your boy, Should D, out here swag surfing in Scotland. And when I'm doing my thing, I like to think I do it in this order. It's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Let me run that back for you. It's eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. Remember the order. Listen to the show. Now you know. It's Should D for the 99-2000. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to eat, sleep, suplex, retweet. 
Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Read Tweet. I'm Stephen Wilson and I'm joined by two Ryans, two Davids, two McClouds and Quacku. Quacku and up here And this is the second half of our debating chamber show. If you listened to the first half, my god what treat you just had. <laughs> second half, exactly the same, only different topics and the order of entrance will be slightly different. Guys, are you ready for topic number two? Dave, isn't it? <laughs> Topic number two is. Oh, Oh, Okay, so the check, the yeah, actually they're just terrible matches. I don't believe he's put about five there. I know. Right, so, starting starting off the debate for this one, I think it's only fair that the debate will be started by the two who finished off the last one. So, <laughs> arguing that the Attitude Era produced terrible matches, Scott McLeod. Arguing against the Attitude Era producing terrible matches, Ross McLeod. Quickly. For all those not familiar with the Attitude Era, like Dave, um, the Attitude Era is well received by many as the most successful era of professional wrestling that helped decide the Monday Night Wars for WWF. However, 20 years on, to a lot of people, they realise that there wasn't really anything concrete in terms of good actual wrestling matches in the Attitude Era, it was just a lot of storytelling kind of chucked together in promos and we only had like maybe about two minute matches for most of the show. Some people say that, other people thought, no, it was the rest of the era of wrestling, it saved the whole company. If it wasn't for that, we probably might not have wrestling today. So, two sides of the argument on that particular one then. The Attitude Era produced terrible matches. So guys, again, Ross, Scott, you've got eight minutes to kick off the debate, starting from now. Hey, John, so, well, I, I, well I do, I've been watching quite a bit of the Attitude Era recently for other, th- other projects. And I've watched, I've watched a lot of the matches of all the weekly TV and I'll put it quickly on the weekly TV that it's evident the matches barely last more than two minutes if you're lucky and you rarely get more than more than a run-in or a DQ finish that's constant, you're lucky if you get one match that has a clean finish and like the whole thing about this is I know wrestling is also a bit character and storytelling and all that but we forget it's by then it's what's called the WWF, the second W stands for wrestling and that will say eventually the bell has to ring you can present great characters all you want you can put them in this long storyline for months and months eventually they have to be in a match and if the match isn't of good quality the storyline will suffer and like all constantly they were building up to pay-per-views all these, these storylines building up to pay-per-views and then when you get the matches there even though the matches like last slightly longer than they were on TV the matches even then would suffer they would not have to be that long and there would be DQs because they were leading on to TV when it should be TV at least to pay-per-views they were t- building to pay-per-views to then build the TV again mm-hmm. so the whole thing is why they have pay-per-views why charge people more money to come in and purchase these pay-per-views if you're only going to say I would then tune into the free show tomorrow night well you talked about storylines and characters there and it's all well and good enough saying I'm watching this to research this but you've also missed out on a lot of the storylines beforehand because you needed to pick a start date. You missed everything else before that. How many Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa currently, example, what a great storyline that was. Still great matches when you watch them, but if you don't have the storyline, 
It's your standard Extreme Rules match that you can see anywhere in any Extreme company such as TNT or ICW. So, storylines don't account for that much and also when we're talking about the improvement in wrestling standards as everyone tries to claim it is today. Well, how many five-star matches have WWE had in the Ruthless Aggression era? How many five-star matches did they have in the PG era? How many five-star matches? And all, that's not be-all and end-all, but how many five-star matches have they had in the recent era on the main roster? How many times have we watched a pay-per-view and went, in this era, on this era when it's meant to be more athletic people who produce better matches, going, that was terrible. That was truly terrible. And yet, time and time again, and the actually did it. Yes, we saw two-minute squash matches with the likes of Draws versus D'Lo Brown and Val Venus interferes, you know, because Val Venus and D'Lo went after the same woman. That was the undercard. <laughs> <laughs> and you're forgetting as well that, one, the matches were well-received at the time because you can't hold standards of yesterday up to standards of today because then there's a lot of films as the film critic goes all over there. <laughs> There are certain films from the 70s and 80s with racist or sectarian or sexist moments <laughs> in them that would not hold up today, but at the time it was allowed because societal views and social norms at the time were different. So you're basing today's standard of wrestling on yesterday's product. So it wasn't terrible matches at the time. And we're talking about terrible matches. They weren't. Yeah, we had this. You had this thing where you talk about today being repetitive. You do the same old thing. Whole you can watch any Raw, any SmackDown from back in the attitude era. You get the same formula. Someone comes out, they have a two-minute match. Somebody either runs in or somebody gets shoved to the ref. DQ, run in, rinse, repeat, move on. And also they devalued a lot of the titles at times between matches because they build up title matches or randomly they say, "Oh, so and so's defending their title on tonight's show." The match would go about what six minutes, and then that would probably end in a dodgy finish as well. So, like, what's the point in hyping up all these title matches when really the result of it is going to devalue your championship? Well, six minutes, Sheamus won the world title in 18 seconds. Did it devalue the world title when Big Show won it after such a big storyline about how he's not done it? He's the giant, but he's not won the big one in a while. Did it make Christian's 20-year struggle from the previous year any less because Jack Swagger had won it the year before him? No. And we talk about two-minute matches. Money in the bank, the cash in, the, the titles change in less than 30 seconds due to these money in the bank cash ins, and it doesn't devalue the championship. It's a current concept for the current era. That was a concept for that era. You're, we're basing yesterday's matches on today's New Japan five star, 40 Canadian destroyers, and a super kick party for everyone <laughs> on Mankind vs. The Undertaker. Well, how many New Japan matches in 20 years are we going to be talking about compared to what we're talking about just now, Mankind and The Undertaker? Are we still going? Do you still going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tap out! That's a Send in the clowns! Come on, Scott! I thought, were, I thought someone else was coming. Oh, no, let's go! You've got three minutes! I've had four attitude in the matches by now. I know, see? 44, 44, 44, 44. Shut the fuck up. Like you said, like, the whole thing is that eventually the bell has to ring for us. And like, I'm not saying we're comparing different standards, but like, you know about how this saved wrestling, this was a peak air wrestling. We had a peak air wrestling a few decades before that in the Hogan era. Even then, we had proper matches, we had proper technology. Like, you look at Randy Savage v Ricky Steamboat, that didn't get five star. That was a proper match in what is called the peak air wrestling. 
and well, <laughs> sorry, not you. Talk about a, pro- a proper match. That's a pro- what is a proper match? It's wrestling. It's scripted. It's subjective. We have comedy promotions. We have serious yeah, wrestling promotions. We have hardcore promotions. What makes Sugar Duncanton versus Gene Money in a lumberjack zombie match the right wrestling compared to good housekeeping against Liam Thompson against Wolfgang? What makes Kenny Omega, Kushida Okada in a 60 minute 2 or 3 fall epic? Proper wrestling, but a mixed tag match for the Universal and Raw Women's title with both on the line and so much stakes on the line. What what makes one of them proper wrestling? What does What is proper wrestling? You've not defined that. We're not talking about proper wrestling, we're talking about good and bad match types. And for the standard of the day, for the performer of the day, the performer wasn't the 205 Live, sleek, 450 Splash style wrestler as it is today. The performer of the day was The Rock, a big hulking six foot four Hollywood prototype looking guy. The standard of the day was your favourite wrestler Kane, a seven foot monster, going against the monsters of the week as such as Big Show, Undertaker. <coughs> Gary Kelly, his favourite wrestler, oh, no. Viscera. That would have to So, and Viscera, you know, I'm not going to continue the Viscera point, but you know, that's the thing. That was wrestling then. Is that proper wrestling? You know, wrestling changes throughout the decades at the time. But you're talking about proper wrestling. This was proper wrestling. And then the hindrance that you do with these title matches, like, only go a few minutes before there's a run in or a DQ fight or all like that. You do this repetitively, you're starting to hint, condition your audience to have a short attention span. To the point where you do have a good enough storyline, you want to take a match where you can build it and the match can go at least 20 or so minutes. The crowd aren't going to pay attention because they condition to for matches only to last a few minutes. And they're sitting there, they're going to be like, is this match still going? They're just waiting for the bit at the end where Austin stunners somebody. They don't care about the bit building up to it. They're waiting for the bit at the end where Austin feels severe because that's all they'd be conditioned to pay attention to. That's what they get to the pop for. And on that note, it's time to bring in another member to the chamber. Joining Scott and arguing that the attitude of matches were terrible is Ryan Wilson. <sighs> Ryan, you've got five minutes, you're in, go. Okay, before I start, can I get the exact word on the, on the topic? Just the exact The attitude of produced terrible matches. Okay, that is true. <laughs> 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 on the stars, on the t-shirts, on the posters, on all the fans, every single match, whether it was the start of the show or the end of the show, was great in a way that the crowd were in it, but the actual wrestling itself, and that's the word in the question, wasn't it very good? And it didn't have to be because it was over, but like if you go back, because I, I went back kind of recently on the network and watched you know, know, Unforgiven 98 or something like that, mm. and I'm like, Val Venus versus Godfather skip, you know, the headbangers versus Hardcore Hollywood Crash always skip. Like, I'm not going to watch those matches because, like, looking back at them, they're no good matches. And that was the question. And the quality matches were not good. Some of them were, but, like, for the majority, not really. Yeah, but but the product was great. You're using that argument looking back, looking back, looking back, looking back. You can look back at anything. You can look back. Yeah, but that's, we're looking back at that. Yes, and we're list. looking back at it. And we're looking back at it with the standard of today. You're looking back at it in an era where five star matches have been churned out. Regularly, you're looking back at it when you're in an era where in Scottish and British wrestling there is shows, there's three shows a weekend at least 
there is so much wrestling out there that you can go, well actually I found my niche, I know what I like, this is what I like. At the time, <coughs> WCW and WWE, because we didn't get ECW over here in the UK, was the standard. That was wrestling, as Scott keeps saying, proper wrestling. And the standard of the match quality now might be bad, but then it wasn't. It's, you can never be objective in this subject because you have to look back with today's standards. Scott talked about being conditioned. Well, you're conditioned to like a certain type of match now because you've chosen your own type. And you can't look back on yesterday's, that's the argument I mean, you can't look back on yesterday's matches with today's standards. I see what you're saying, but where's your comparison? Are we just looking at them as matches and how we felt back then when we were kids watching them? Because I don't remember like, if I liked them or not. Well, that's the thing though, you didn't have a type of it, but you enjoyed it because you tuned in and watched yeah. it. But also, I was a kid, so I had no other basic commercial. I never watched any other wrestling, I hadn't seen Japan, or I hadn't seen no anything. Whereas now, you, now you have, and yeah. now you look back, you look at them with the views of attending an ICW show, of attending a WWE show currently, of watching WWE currently, of watching, I don't know if you're watching the Japan, I'm sorry if I've threw this on you. No, I've sense of it. No, yeah, but I know. But you, you know that type yeah, of style. You know the type of style of AEW that's came out. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's all these different styles that you now know that maybe looking back you think, oh well, if you watch a match and go, that reminded me of this Fatal 4-Way for Unforgiven 2000. And then you go back and watch Fatal 4-Way and go, actually, that isn't in that style. But that the fact that that resonated with you that years later when you watch something you go oh that reminded me of that even if you look back and go oh actually it wasn't as good as I thought it still resonates with me. That's way, say if I, I go again I suppose I'm going back but I have to because it's in the past that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at you know, my favourite matches all the time. I don't think any of them happened during that era. I don't think anyway. Maybe WrestleMania 17, Rock Austin. That's it. That's the only match I can think of. It's like. Five star match. Well, you, they, you, you, you go back and you look at the, the people involved, you look at a lot of characters. Like, you watch the universe, you look at coming out, we're going to have Godfather v Valvinus, for example. Mm-hmm. Look at them, like, I can tell you about them as characters, the people pop when they come out and they say they're sick and they make their entrances. I couldn't tell you much about them when that's wrestlers. Because, like, you need, you're going to sit there tuning in, you're not going to have two hours or an hour and 90 minutes or an hour and 10 minutes, sorry, of Austin coming out or tits for the whole show. <laughs> you need stuff in between. Oh, I mean, you might have all trained to get. You do need stuff. <laughs> you need stuff in between eight matches. For yeah. people, and people aren't going to invest in that. People, you talk about people with resume, but what resonates for you are, mo- are the moments, but you can't can you tell me anything about all the matches. People will tell you about, oh, a bit where Man King thrown off the cell. What about the rest of the match? Who was it as a match? Uh, I don't know, but I remember that moment where he got thrown off the cell. You do, but then he mentioned one of his favourite matches actually being in the Attitude Era at Rock Austin. You can watch that back and it still holds up. And then you talk, we talked before about knowing about people as characters. Quacko's favourite, one of his favourite wrestlers is Sugar Duncanton. He also knew about the character of Gene Money. So it invested him in that match, and that match he enjoyed. Sugar Duncanton versus Gene Money. But was it proper wrestling? Was it Canadian Destroyers and Super Kicks for days? No, it wasn't. But it was still and on that note, uh, it's time now to bring in someone else to the chamber as they all wait anxiously. Joining Ross and debating against the attitude that a match has been trash. It's Sugar Dunkerton. <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly, it's Ryan. Oh, <laughs> Ryan, you're in. Five minutes, go. I'm in. Right. The question is, Ryan asked, were the matches shite? <laughs> no, the matches weren't rubbish because they didn't need to be five star matches, they could still be good wrestling matches. You know, they don't need to have, as Ross explains, super kicks and Canadian destroyers for days. They don't need to have that to be a good match. 
we now look at it and think that, you know, the way wrestling's went in the last kind of five years or so, that's what we take as being a great match. If it's got loads of these massive spots in it. Whereas a good match doesn't, you know, not every match has to be world class, which is I think what That's what I'm saying. But that's what the, that, I think that's what the question's getting. That's a bit watchable. Yeah. Man, I can't even go back and watch Bill Buchanan versus Big Boss Man. Oh no. It's over Sorry for all the Bill Buchanan marks out there. Really bad LA. <laughs> like all two of those listeners have now turned off. Both like, the matches that you've produced on your TV, you're watching them, but by the time you've fully processed what you're watching, it's suddenly over because somebody's ran in for no reason. And then it's over, and then you're yeah, up to the next it, thing. Like, it, what even just happened? There was that even a match? But are you looking back on that though as a back in the day match and going, "Oh, that was nonsense. That was so embarrassing back in the day." See if that happened now in a match with two guys that are maybe over just now. If the same thing happened, you would go, "Oh, that was class." He started that match, started Sunday, ran in, and it was a big free for all. The same thing happened back then. And I have every single match back then, but not every single match. But you know, a lot of the time, you know, Ventress always just Ventress so all over these matches. Ventress so was in charge of WCW for six months, and he was in charge of the exactly. Attitude Era for less than a year. So and we he can't was just, a genius. And as a, and as a the genius, the man was an absolute genius. And in the Attitude Era, he would, it was John Cena following. It was filtered he through. It was filtered through Vince McMahon, so we can't just go all oh, that's Vince Russo's influence all over there. And at the same time, Scott talked about. In the 80s, proper wrestling. Well, in the 80s, Hulk Hogan took on Bobby Heenan's latest family member, be it the Warlord or the Bar- Barbarian. Can I get the words out there? That's cinnamon choking me. <laughs> <laughs> be it the Warlord, the Barbarian, whatever it is. <laughs> well, that match would happen. He'd beat the big guy at the pay-per-view. Then Saturday night's main event, the rematch would happen. And oh, look at that. Who's this? It's Bobby Heenan's new client. It's Andre the Giant. He's now attacking Hulk Hogan. That happened every match back then. It's simply the fact that with you remember it, Mel? Do you remember what happened nine weeks ago on Monday Night Raw? Oh God, no. Do you remember what happened, Scott, twelve weeks ago on SmackDown Live? Don't say no. No, you don't. You don't. But you remember the attitude era because the characters and storylines, which you said, oh, you, you can do all these all you want, but the bell needs to ring. I but the characters and storylines resonated with you so much. So a great character can make a great match. Exactly, and that's the thing. It can make it. You know, wrestling doesn't need to have the point we've made five star yes. matches it does need to have five star matches every single time the matches can be good and they can lead towards something which is what they do you look at the, the stars that actually Dara produced you know Rock, Stone Cold these guys they're still the biggest guys that have ever been in the wrestling that doesn't happen just by chance that happens because all these other matches do happen around about it that, that lead up to certain points up to certain storylines made the point yourself as well but oh, it was all just like um, all these different characters and kind of big big egos and stuff aye but they can still put on the matches don't need to be world class mm-hmm. they can still be good matches so I think that's the line that we're looking at here they don't need to we're not saying that all the matches in the actual era were outstanding mm-hmm. but they weren't rubbish matches plus before the 2016 brand split I could tell you what was going to happen every week on Smackdown because it was Raw get the big Raw was three hours Raw get the big stuff Smack, Smackdown got the leftovers and then in the main event be it Dean Ambrose getting the push be it Roman Reigns getting the push or be it Randy Orton who was <coughs> against the authority they would lose by DQ and it would roll over onto Raw and you're also talking about 
and th this was currently, this is current era. You're talking about an era, you talk, oh, you can't process because so much has happened. Aye, because this was when WWE were fighting for survival. You had to keep the viewers interested. You had to keep them on the screen. Have you said earlier, like, I may, I may have used the word pro wrestling, that may have been like the wrong term, it's like, seeing what's proper wrestling is kind of suggested. But what I meant by that is, matches got a decent length. They, like I said, as I said, you really process mm. what's actually having a story to be able to tell in the match. I mean, you can say what you, this is what I meant or you want, it's not what you said. I know. But and you never followed a line of question, so I called you on it. It felt like to me that they were tripping over themselves to get the storyline established and forgetting that there was actually a match with some psychology involved. And on that note, it's time for someone else to enter the debating chamber. Joining the team of Scott and Ryan Wilson and debating that the actual other matches were terrible. David Hopney! Crap! <laughs> I mean, okay, right, let's go. David, five minutes ago. Get yeah. up, you know. Right. When you think of the, the quintessential wrestling match, you think about, you know, uh, collegiate style wrestling in the Olympics, right? That's proper map based and technical wrestling, right? How much of that actually did happen in the Attitude Era? Well, hold on a minute, you've just once again said when you think of the proper wrestling match. What is proper wrestling? Uh, no one has defined this to me. If you can define proper wrestling... There I mean, are different types I'll back of wrestling. Down, exactly. I, I, and we'll just... And we just said proper wrestling. It's in a current era. You come to ICW shows now. You, there's independent shows all around Scotland and the UK. There's three major promotions at the minute and you've got TNA and Ring of Honor still going there is so much wrestling whereas back then it was WWE and WCW and it wasn't 80s big characters uh, Hulk Hogan say your prayers eat your vitamins and proper southern wrestling no they were now just sports entertainment WWF the second W might have stood for wrestling the third uh, the last initial in WCW might have stood for wrestling but quite frankly we were in an era in the 90s where it was shock value where it was reality TV and you didn't have 20 minute classics and you know what you didn't need them as Ryan said because a character can make the match right but I will say that by saying like how many of these regular TV matches on say Raw or Smackdown for example how many of them could you name off the top of your head Rock Mankind Wonder Woman there it was there you go <laughs> Monday Night Raw. Okay, name, name 10 more. 10 more? Yes. You want me to name 10 more? You, 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 really, you really want to waste your debate time? Alright, cool. Triple H, runs, it. Triple H runs the gauntlet to get into this, uh, the six pack challenge. There's six right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday Night Heat. I don't even need Thursday Night Smackdown. I've got Sunday Night Heat, and, uh, Half Time Heat, which is. Rock be mankind yet again. You've got Undertaker. How many was under the fuck? Everything yes. was built towards a pay per view at the time. Yeah, you know, because everything on TV was just a chaos. Cable. Like everything on weekly TV at the time was just a big chaotic mess. Like there was no structure or you know any sort of organisation whatsoever. So are we talking Attitude Era or 2019 here? Attitude Era. <laughs> and is there structure currently? Is the storylines? Where's Mojo Rawley? Well, Mojo like, Rawley had three weeks of promos. Okay. Mojo <laughs> Rawley had three weeks of promo looking in the mirror, exciting <laughs> himself up. And I, he might be injured now, Scott, but there was six weeks in between that before he got injured in the main event. Oh, you said, you're talking about, oh, we don't need 20 minute classic, you're talking about 40 Queen's draws because that's the sale of the day or whatever. Right. But, like, we don't want, we're not, that's not what I'm asking for every week on TV. I'm asking for just a match that has a decent enough thing that I can, I can like, understand who these two characters are why and why they're wrestling before it's suddenly over and then we're rushing on to the next one because we're trying to get everybody on TV not everybody needs to be on TV but it seems like on that they're trying to rush everybody on the television every week 
just because everyone was old, just because you're old doesn't mean you need to be on every well, single week. Because that's how people get sick of you. That's yeah. how long was how long did it take? Like how long was a, a regular roster? Like two hours or something? Yeah. And this was a stacked roster when WCW superstars were starting to make the transition over. You couldn't have everybody on the card, but even if you did, everything would have to be about literally minutes long. Like it would be as forgotten about as <laughs> you know as the next segment would be. Sorry, were you guessing? No, I was just going to let, tell Ross to let the boys speak because we've <laughs> we'll embarrassed them enough so far. So I, just wanted, I, I know Dave had some points to make. I just wanted to get out. The, the, the roster was so stacked back then. You had you know, Rock, Austin, Taker, Kane, Mankind, uh, whatever. It was such a big stacked roster at that time that they couldn't put that many good matches out because, as I said before, they were falling over themselves trying to put them in segments mm-hmm. or backstage things. So the actual belt to belt, going back to the actual question itself, the matches themselves weren't very good. And the characters were good, but the matches, like, I don't remember any good matches. You named a couple, and I'm sure a couple, but like, there was thousands of matches back then, and mm-hmm. most of them were forgettable TV. It was a spot As it is now, get granted, 2019 well, is the same. Well, there you go, you've been married 2019 is the same. Uh, but but the question isn't comparing and contrasting 2019 and actually there. The question is, was actually there? Yeah, but you can only. The answer is yes. But have we, have we done this in the early 2000s? Have we done this podcast? You would have said something completely different. The difference is, you've now got something to compare looking at the current product. Looking at the guys that are coming up just now who are super talented, where you know, mid card matches can still be outstanding just now, whereas it's supposed to be the point, you know, they were just at, I don't know. Oh, we're talking about characters, we're talking about making a match and characters amazing with you. That's not where are you, we're talking about quality of the matches, were the matches good, and a lot of the time they weren't because they weren't given enough time or they barely had enough time to do anything before they just ended the match because somebody ran in or whatever. Naked Midian ran in. There's another thing as well, it's like, these are characters who could fight, you know, they weren't wrestlers with characters, that was the other thing. And on that note, it's time for the final competitor in this debating chamber debate, David Campbell, you're in. Welcome in, son. Hi guys, it's lovely to see you. Um, I want to take us right back to the start of this debate, (laughs) and one of the opening things that Scott McLeod told us was that he knows it's about more than the in-ring action, and that is the crux of my point. You've been arguing matches as if it's just the bell to bell. A match is more than just that. It is about the characters, it's about the storylines leading into it, it's about the storylines out of it, it's about the crowd that's there in attendance, it's about the entrances, it's about all of it, it's about the showmanship. And when you take the Attitude Era in context, where everyone on the show had a character that wasn't just good professional wrestler, all those matches meant something. All those matches had importance and therefore the matches themselves couldn't be terrible even if the in-ring action was subpar because the audience was still invested, the people at home were still invested and it progressed the story going forward. The fact of the matter is, is like you're saying about watching the matches back they're not very good but that's like walking into The Last Jedi as your first Star Wars film and being angry that you don't know what the force is so that's not explained to you you can't watch these matches out of context because they're part of an overarching story I don't watch an episode of Coronation Street from 1980s and complain that it's bad TV no because I wasn't there I don't know the story in and out of it and that's what's important wrestling is a soap opera as Debbie Egan told us on Glow okay but what if you were introducing somebody of today who's never watched wrestling in their life and you keep saying to them go watch the Attitude Era if you want some like really good wrestling and then they say to you those matches were rubbish they were just 
literally just throwing a couple of punches and then it's chair shots and then people are just getting into a mass brawl. That's oh. not a that's Alex, not a wrestling match. Alex, once again, you're taking it out of context and trying to define a wrestling match by the Dave Meltzer school of <laughs> what wrestling should be. Wrestling is about more than just one match. It's a progression of a storyline. Wait, when you look at Olympic-style wrestling, you know, this is proper mapping. I'm, well. I'm not like, an Olympic-style wrestling wrestling podcast. I'm on a like, full wrestling the Olympics podcast right like, now, David Ockney. Also, I'm on ESSL. Hold on, we're talking about Olympic wrestling. Wasn't Kurt Angle the Olympic gold medalist in the Attitude Era? It actually got character. I didn't care about Kurt Angle. Said in Olympic medalist. Kurt Angle looked out of place because he was the actual main wrestler. He didn't look out of place. He didn't look out of place. He was the perfect. Well, he was out of place. He was the perfect nerdy heel because he hated everything it stood for. So when someone like The Rock, who was brash and arrogant and basically nineties car crash TV. He, he stood out. He only ever exactly. did a Yuranagi and an elbow drop. I mean, do you call that a wrestling match? We do call it a wrestling match, Dave. We do. We do. We do say his favorite, one of his favourite matches was Rock Austin. Let's look because at Because The Rock is still one the match. biggest star currently. You go back and watch a six-man tag, Dave. Each of these guys had one Kane, move, and that was it. Okay, there was nothing All else right, in between. Alright, the WWE Championship six-man tag. Ross McLeod's favourite match of all Rock and Yuranagi, the elbow drop. The Hardy Boys just did slips. No, Stop. Dave. Oh, that is a load of nonsense. Scott and Ryan, you're free to help out the name. So it's gone. Hey, I'll carry this game if I have to, okay? Nice name and moves, Dave. Talk about the storytelling and all that. Let's just say you tune in to Raw. Ah, you watch the next week and then you watch the next week and you see, okay, this person's free with that person. When they finally have a match and you watch it and you're thinking, what a subpar match. You're like, why have I just wasted the last few weeks investing in this storyline at the actual payoff? Which is going to be day two getting in the ring isn't up to No far. one thought that, Scott, because by and large, every Attitude Era pay per view match progressed the story and didn't leave people disappointed, it left them wanting more. Yes. And that is what this beautiful about the Attitude Era we, is. We're we, 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 we into a pay per view, you see Deal Brown v Mark Henry, and after that match, they yes, we can see more of these two. More people are watching back then than they are right now. So, I would rather see Stone Cold beat up Mr. McMahon just by literally stomping him and then stunning him. That's yeah. not wrestling. And, and you slag that. That's but millions of viewers tuned in from that team. No one is watching wrestling now. We didn't mean Minority. Yeah, actually, I made wrestling cool because the match was really wrestling match. Hold on, hold on, right, right. And we just talked. You talked about wrestlers have one move. Wrestlers have one moves. Braun Strowman has a power slam, and he's still over his hell. He has a big boot, a splash, and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, oh, oh my god! Oh my god! A big boot and a splash. It doesn't matter. Didn't, didn't the Undertaker have that? Wasn't the Undertaker in the Attitude Era? Undertaker has old school. He has. Dave, why do you need the matches? It's not helping anyone. What we need to know about the Attitude Era is this: that it wasn't the same level of athleticism we see today. That does not make them terrible matches because the storylines and characters were a lot stronger. We're not arguing whether wrestling's cool. We're arguing match quality here. Were the matches good? Yes, yes, but yes. For the time, in-ring action. The time period. That's That's the time where the guys were actually massive. You know, these were like big guys. It was never any guys. Guys, 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 and that's the end of a segment there. Remember, everybody, please. Remember the Titanic? Remember the Titanic? Oh, I want to give my brother a That was me at the end of the last five minutes of that, I just sort of slowly sucked back Again, some very good points in there, guys. Again, some very good points as well. I need my bed. Need a drink. Yeah, I need a drink now. I think, um, remember when we talked in WrestleMania matches about how they open up, it upset the tone for the debate and how you kind of get a feel of it. 
McLeod versus McLeod. My God. Hold on. Yes, that's my bro. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Did you think I just hated him or something? Yes, I'm like, you're really hard on my whole life. Undertaker versus Kane, my God, man. There was a point when Scott went, is there somebody else there? Well, that's how you do it. Two and one is the signals. Oh, man. When you when you have that much of a crushing defeat in the first bit, you need some strong anchors. But when your when your third man goes, oh sh- oh hit, oh crap. <laughs> and seeing fairness to Dave, I did the same when I came, when I came into the next as well. I went, oh shite. <laughs> I wrote before David Hockney entered the debate. I wrote on a piece of paper to Stephen, please not me. <laughs> they were predetermined. They are on the sheet of paper. Yeah, you can't see that here. That's oh. fine. That's fine. No, uh, print, print is not written. You know, make the worst of a. Pretty much losing battle. But oh, fuck it. Uh, I, was the, I was the same in the first half. But then, aye. Ross had Campbell to anchor him, so was he? <laughs> Ryan Littlest. Yeah, I think Ryan's going to seal this fate there. I think that's a solid, I think that's a knockout blow there. For the whoever won for quite no, a deal. It was over when it's got through in the table. That's what happened. You keep naming wrestling moves. Guys, guys, it's all banter. It's all banter. You guys are the same team. I'm happy that I had For the listeners at home, me and Quack are both unanimous to decide that the winners of this debate were the ones who argued that regardless, it's same wrestling and Rob Yours of David, Ryan Galka and Ross. David Campbell, sorry. So, team shots, the losing baby. team have been given their shots of ginger tea, <laughs> which apparently Quacky tells me is very, very strong. Very strong. Very, very, very strong. Don't give him aid there. You've just destroyed him. Very strong. It was a debate, it wasn't fucking. Very strong ginger tea. It wasn't a debate. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I have been unjustly screwed in this Sugar, debate we went here. <laughs> very strong ginger tea. Right, drink you go, boys. 44. Very strong. It's very oh, strong. Oh, God, Lord. Oh, I think the lime will be a, a relief for After I did all the hard work to win that debate, I want them to do it. Yeah, Do you think we were losing it? Yeah. That's my fucking just, <laughs> just, just to let you all know, my mum actually made that up for you all. And she took pity on you guys and added one teaspoon of sugar just to make it a little bit better. Ooh. But still, yeah, it kicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're doing it outro shortly. If you want to go run and get a bottle, you can. Jesus. Yes, that was a. That yeah, was that lips are burning. That was a. Let's be fair. They were both two very strong debates. I think we both said. I think there was some very, very good points. I think I preferred the first one. You know. <laughs> but that was the joy of the random. I certainly didn't. <laughs> would you imagine how much different this show would have been if I gave you two and you would have known the two you were getting? Yeah. Oh, they'd have been overly prepared. Can yeah. I just make a, a very nice point? Was I the only one to have a clean sweep there? You are. And for that, you have to get a line. 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 Get a before we round off the show, guys, thoughts on this new concept of the debate? Oh, I love oh, that. Solid, yeah, I demand to be back next time. <laughs> yeah. 
We need some. We need some retribution for that. Give me Goldberg. I feel de-stressed already. Can I say, oh my god, we in the losing team. Yeah, I feel like I've been conspired against here. Like I, we clearly won the Nexus debate, and well, obviously the. Well, we did win the Nexus debate. Yeah, yeah, you are mad. I mean, did you or did you not take a spoonful of cinnamon? I did. So you lost. So <laughs> we are friends right now. Can I just say though, who was giving it the big beans in the chat that he was going to take everybody down? David Campbell. And, and I won the second time. And you won the second time. And who said he was going to win them all? You're all da. <laughs> so that has been the debut of our debating team show. If you enjoyed, you're welcome. If you enjoyed the chaos, please subscribe to us. Or. Hopefully you'll want to subscribe to us after that on any good podcasting oh. site we're on and iTunes, Spotify, Android ones. Search for us, you'll find us on it. And please give us a follow on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at SuperLitchRetweet, where we have this banter quite regularly. Hmm. Very regularly. <laughs> Let us know if you want me back or if I'm just taking oh, can we get I'd, Alan, I'd welcome you back. Can we get Alan okay. Lucas here? Because <laughs> if the first debate's rules are anything to go back as soon as he says one thing, he's lost the rules, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Alan can tell me hello and it'd still be a lie. No, 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 no. <laughs> please, please, please join us next week where the topic of our show will be us looking at the upcoming big battle in wrestling. Not the battle between the six in this room. It's the battle between WWE and AEW as the Wednesday Night War starts. But what is proper wrestling scene? Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> answered me. <laughs> Are we still not going to answer tomorrow? <laughs> 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 <laughs>